So today in our seven deadly sins, we're talking about envy. And even if we haven't experienced the intense effects that can be caused by envy, most of us grew up with those classic Disney stories that depict the tragedy of fierce or malicious envy. We can point to stories like Snow White targeted for death by the Wicked Queen because Mirror Mirror told her that Snow White was prettier than she was. Then there's Cinderella targeted to become essentially a slave and kept in poverty by her step mother because she was more desirable inside and out than her own daughters, those wicked stepsisters. Or we may have heard about the Trojan War, which began as one king kidnaps another king's wife. One wanted what the other one had, and this, in his mind, justified two kingdoms fighting and innocent people dying. Envy, by definition, is a painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another, joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. Or more succinctly, I am upset or angry that you have something I don't, and I want it too. Or I want yours so you don't have it. Envy is closely related to jealousy, but it can be more insidious. Out of the seven deadly sins, it is the only one that has a close counterpart in the Ten Commandments. The last one on the list, which says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And I think I'm pretty safe on the ox and donkey part of that one. Envy is, however, something we all struggle with at one point or another. No one is immune to what is also known as the green-eyed monster. Ever wonder why it's called that? I love that many of our emotions also have colors. Red for anger, white or purple for rage, but who chose green for envy? Well, it apparently comes from the phrase that we all know and relate to, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. And envy is an emotion, a feeling. Unlike murder or lying, it's not something we do. It's something we feel. So to try to control envy is not an easy task. I can probably stop myself from telling a lie, but that doesn't mean I stop myself from thinking about it. It's challenging to keep from coveting in our minds, Now, I don't know about you, but I think we've all been trained from infancy to have desires, to want stuff, to look at my own shortcomings and dreams of having more than I have, being more than I am. We call it marketing. Isn't that what advertising is really about? You need this to be more beautiful, stronger, thinner, a better dad, athlete, to be seen as trendy, to have what it takes to be the you you've always wanted to be. We've all been programmed to give way to this deadly sin in our lives. Wouldn't it be nice to break free from that green-eyed monster and be content with the grass on our side of the fence? Paul tells us in Philippians that he has learned to be content no matter what the situation, and this is precisely what we can do to overcome the deadly sin of envy, learn to be content. And we start by knowing the enemy. 
learning to recognize it when it rears its ugly head. See where it lurks in the shadows of our hearts and in the world. If Ephesians 5.12 tells us that our struggle is not against enemies of flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers of this present darkness, those spiritual forces of evil, then we can't fight what we don't see as the enemy. And how do we break free from an enemy that lives within each one of us and that fights to get out every day? Well, God has given us the tools. Hopefully this morning we'll learn how to take them up and wield them. So be honest. You don't have to raise your hand. But how many people here have at one time or another wanted something someone else had that you didn't? Maybe your best friend got a new bike. Your coworker got that promotion with a pay raise. Your sister can dance like a butterfly. Your brother can play the guitar. That lady in church has all those beautiful clothes. That guy in the store has the latest iPhone. She has the greatest confidence. He has the most supportive wife. Man, I want that Super Bowl ring. Well, you know. If we're honest, we've all been there. Now, we talked about pride last week, and pride was the sin of finding reasons to see yourself better than someone else. Pride tells us that one or many of our God-given blessings, talents, or even the circumstances of our birth place us above, give us a higher standing than those without that same blessing. We know it's a lie because in God's eyes, God sees us all on the same playing field, even if we are all different with different God-given talents and blessings. To fight pride, we simply need to turn our gaze off of ourselves and like Jesus, put the interests of others ahead of our own, to want the best for others, to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. But envy, on the other hand, is almost the opposite of pride. Deadly pride doesn't have any value if it's kept hidden. We can't be proud if no one knows why we are better than everyone else. What's the point? But envy works in secret. It whispers in our ears, and while we like to share what we're proud about, we often don't want to share what we envy. It's insidious. It's been called a spiritual leprosy. Leprosy being a disease that eats away at body parts, eventually leaving the person unrecognizable. Just as pride lifts us up over others, envy always brings us down, below, and makes us believe that somehow we are less than someone else. There's that word then again. Because we don't have whatever that other person has, we won't feel equal until we have it or they don't have it anymore. Envy magnifies another person's good fortune while minimizing our own. We do it to ourselves. And that's what's so insidious. How it can eat us alive from the inside out. That kind of comparison can gnaw away at the view we have of ourself, and it can kill our joy, kill our relationships, and make us unable to love anyone, even ourselves. 
It kills our joy because we find that we can't be happy unless we have it or they don't, or maybe and they don't, so that we're back on top again. It kills our relationships, even our best and strongest, because envy makes everyone our enemies, our competitors. We talked about how the first sin was pride, wanting to be like God, something we're not but aspire to be. So if pride was the first sin, envy is the second one recorded in the Bible. In the story of Cain and Abel, Cain makes a sacrifice to God and then so does Abel. And for reasons totally unknown, God seems to praise Abel's offering more than Cain, and he is jealous, full of envy, feeling somehow less than his brother because God seems to like him best. Even with a direct warning from God, Cain lets his envy blossom into full-blown hatred and malice. He kills his brother. Well, now God has to like him best because he's the only one left, right? But things never work out quite the way we think they will. Cain ended up a refugee and a wanderer, no home, no family, and no joy in living. We never really get any satisfaction from getting what we think we want. That's another thing about envy. With pride, lust, and gluttony, there's at least a small amount of pleasure, but it never happens with envy. We're always left wanting more. And like trying to dig to China, we never get there. And doesn't the Bible have a lot to say about envy? Aside from Cain and Abel, look at Joseph and his brothers. They had terrible malice aforethought in getting rid of their brothers simply because they wanted their father to like them as much or more than Joseph. All that drama, all that pain and suffering... Good thing God was able to redeem it for good, but none of that needed to happen. Then Jacob and Esau, Jacob wants what his older brother has by birthright. He tricks him out of it all, then spends many years on the run being tricked himself and essentially cut off from the rest of his family. One of the worst cases of envy was Saul and his loathing of David. It all started when the crowd sang out about David's many victories and not really enough about his. He tried and tried to kill him too, finally ending up mentally disturbed from his envious obsession, the perfect example of spiritual leprosy in this case. And we could go on. But the envy most of us experience doesn't usually end up with violence or physical death, so why should we worry? Well, as I said before, it kills our joy in life. Envy tells us we can't be happy until whatever it is, we have whatever it is. And then even when we have it, pushes us to want more. So we're never really happy. Envy can kill our relationships with one another, even those we claim to love, as it sets us up as competitors instead of friends or companions. And like pride, it can give birth to so many other harmful feelings and actions. How many times have we heard about people being killed because if I can't have you, no one else will? How many people have lived their lives in bitterness over their own lack of achievements that someone else got that award or got that recognition? 
It can kill our relationship with God. As like Cain, we see someone else's blessing as an affirmation that God loves them best. Somehow, we've come to the conclusion that the blessings we receive are some kind of grade or rating system God has about our value and our worth. God must like or love them best because they have it and we don't. How come they have that nice home and I struggle to keep a roof over my head? Why didn't you give me the ability to sing like that? Why didn't I get that job? I worked hard for it. Why can they afford that new car and I have to settle for this one? How come they can eat whatever they want and never gain a pound? Can't you make them fat too? Why did that pastor get the bigger church and I'm stuck down here in the boonies? Yes, like everyone else, clergy struggle with envy. The problem begins when we think someone else is more blessed than we are. And we reason in our minds that it's because we don't have the same value without whatever it is. So how do we fight that? Well, we start by looking at the cross, the great equalizer. If when the green-eyed monster starts to pop up in our heads, we can picture the cross and what it means for us, then we have a starting place. Jesus showed us how much we are worth as he allowed himself to be falsely charged, tortured, and nailed to a cross so that no matter what we ever did, we would be free of sin and free of the power of death. Jesus showed us our worth, our value, And it had nothing at all to do with what we own, our talents or gifts, or the circumstances of our lives. When we can come to terms with our value in Christ's eyes, in his sacrifice for each one of us, then we have a foundation for our battle with envy. Then we can turn our gaze onto our own life and look at our own grass. Yes, to fight pride, we start by turning our gaze away from ourselves and look to others. But with envy, we begin by looking at our own lives. Paul has the best instructions for learning to be content. Contentment is the antidote, the opposite of envy. And it will keep keep it at bay whenever it tries to take control. In Philippians 4, 4 through 7, he tells us, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Two things are happening here that we can all commit to doing. First, praising God and being thankful for what we do have. God has given each one of us many blessings, cultivating an attitude of thanksgiving, of being grateful for them, and praising God for those gifts is the best weapon against envy. We can't possibly understand the reason We have certain gifts, and other people are given different gifts. But instead of being bitter about what we don't have, we can take a good look at what we do have and thank God for them. 
I love that hymn, Count Your Blessings, for that very reason. It reminds us to look at our own grass and see first that we have grass, and second, that it really is a nice shade of green. At the end of the day, can we look back and see the good things that we have been given, the good things that happened? Count your blessings. It's like a mallet in the whack-a-mole game and beats the mole of envy down. Then we can stop comparing ourselves to others. Social media can be a blessing and a curse. Fear of missing out, or FOMO as it's called, comes from people looking at other people's lives on social media and wishing they had that kind of life too. We all know that people rarely put their true selves out there, but we fall for the trap that they have perfect lives anyway. But we really don't need social media to fall into that trap. TV shows about the rich and famous, celebrities and music stars that seem to have idyllic lives, people maybe even in our own families that seem to have all the luck while we can only dream of such a life. All that can lead to envy and rob us of the joy we could have living our lives. We can take a good look at our own lives and see all the goodness right inside, the gifts that God has given us. And if we're not satisfied that we've fully become the person that God has gifted us to be, then we should get out and do something about it. Nothing good ever comes from wishing we had someone else's life. God gave each of us our one life for a reason, And it is never to be like someone else. Spend time talking to God to discover who God created you to be. Begin living the way Jesus showed us to live. And as we do, we won't worry so much about what other people are doing. Because our own lives will be full of love and joy. See what God has done for you. See yourself as God sees you not in comparison to anyone else. Paul tells us in our Philippian passage that he has learned to be content in any situation. How? By remembering that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Stay connected to Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember how much you are loved and this knowledge alone will help you grow and be able to use whatever you've been given to become the person God wants you to be. Fight envy by learning to be content, taking our eyes off the other side of the fence and praising God that we all have grass and being different is just fine. Move from envy to contentment and find joy in the abundant life that each of us has been given through Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for the many blessings that you give us, the first being your grace and your goodness that was given to us through the cross. Lord, help us to see the many blessings that we are given every day, to count them and to give you thanks and praise each and every day, to stop taking our eyes off of others, And look 
at the beauty we have in our own lives all the time because of your son, Jesus Christ. Give us open hearts, open minds, but especially open eyes. And we will praise you forever. Amen. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. 